Some things can be very difficult sometimes. One day I'm going to have to do a day in the, uh, you know, a day in the life. We're going to have to do a day in the life. Just because it'd be fun. The carpro.com talk line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. Streaming live on the WORD Facebook page, if that is your cup of tea. Now, when the HER report came out, uh, first of all, you know, it wasn't like it was a shocker. Oh, he has cognitive problems. You're kidding. I never would have thunk it. Then we, we find out, and, and we also knew this, but we, we, we didn't have it corroborated, right? We didn't have it corroborated by the DOJ. And they, they, they corroborate that the stuff he had, in most cases, uh, he was never in, entitled to have in the first place. Presidents can do certain things. They're entitled to have papers because they're the big dog. Vice presidents, senators, not so much. And by pointing this out and by, you know, making his assessment of, well, you know, he's a he's an old man with a bad memory, uh, that that whole pretense of fairness got blown up coming out of the out of the Biden DOJ. And it, it, it's two it's two different ways. They declined to prosecute him and. They made clear the facts surrounding his retention of documents was worse than anything Trump ever would have done. He was covered by the pre Trump was covered by the Presidential Records Act. This allows the chief executive to retain some personal records from his time in office, as did former uh, former President Bill Clinton. He also had a broad has a president has broad authority to formally declassify most documents that are not statutorily protected while they are in office. As former senator and vice president, Biden was not covered by that. So I had no protection from that. And he also, uh, you know, they found this all over the place. And he read them out loud to the guy that was writing his memoir. When they found, you know, they found documents going back to his 36-year tenure in the Senate. He had classified documents from the late 1970s. And he even shared them with his ghostwriter, telling him he just found it all downstairs. Interestingly, while Trump was, of course, out there trying to negotiate and said, I've got these things, how should I store them? How should I keep them? With, you know, of course, with Secret Service protection as well, under lock and key. Uh, and then they showed up with the multi-SUV assault force with their ARs and their their body armor on. They got to wear all the battle rattle, roll in, and, and and do that do that raid. With Biden, they just you know slipped in and slipped out, found the stuff all over the place. No dramatic, unannounced pre-dawn raid. Now last week, Russian leaders and state media were laughing openly at Biden for his diminished mental function. And they're making fun of the fact that he has the launch codes, and uh, you know, for 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 you know, resurrecting Francois Mitterrand and uh, losing track of his own defense secretary for six days in January. <laughs> um, well, then the spin starts, but then the Robert Herr bomb dropped, and. Biden's own DOJ is refuting in clear and direct language the song and dance they've been putting forward publicly 
since he got into office and for this election year. That the incumbent is mentally fit to fulfill the duties of his office both presently and in a second term. So the two strongest arguments for keeping Trump from another four years in the Oval Office, that the former president is a crook, and that Biden is mentally fit to serve as the nation's chief executive, both of them fell in tatters with this one investigation and this one report. Enter President, former President Barack Obama. The last Democrat president before Biden has been warning Biden and party leaves for months. And he's been trying to be subtle about it by sending David Axelrod in there to make these, uh, you know, tell these things. That Biden faces an uphill fight to win a second term. That was before her dropped the satchel charge of this report into the Biden political bunker. And now there's only one person that might possibly talk Jill and Joe Biden out of standing for re-election, and everybody's thinking it's Barack Obama. Now, he tried this before. He convinced Biden not to run against Hillary Clinton in 2016, and he counseled, he counseled Biden against running in 2020 as well when he was out of office. And now he has this little short window to take that course in a third time and arrange to have Biden you know, come out there and declare victory or something out there and denounce that his great work restoring American democracy is complete. And now he's just going to sit back and enjoy his soft serve and his Matlock marathons. Now it's too late at this moment to get other Democrat candidates on remaining state primary ballots. And he would declare a fair and open primary fight to be decided in August with a vote of delegates at the Democrat convention in Chicago. Then he could announce that he will refrain from endorsing any candidate before the convention to preserve the fairness of the process. This leaves Obama open to try to do something with Kamala Harris. You know, they've already, they've already decided in the Democrat, uh, the inner, Democrat inner circle in 2016 that she was not sit, fit to serve as their standard bearer. And understand this, this is all a very far-fetched scenario that I'm spinning at you. This is me just uh, thinking in theoretical, hypothetical terms. Now, I'm almost certain that Barack Obama is right now getting up and he's having his second croissant, his third cup of coffee, and he's at Martha's Vineyard and his phone is ringing off the hook. And everybody's telling him that he has to go do something, he's got to take care of something, and... Uh, And the question becomes, what can he do? Because Biden, I think Biden fully intends. It's one thing to push him out. But see, if they do that, if they if they 25th Amendment him or push him out in the primary, that's not going to And they're all about the optics. They, they're always thinking about the long game. But at this particular moment, nobody knows because this is all new and fresh. The Her report is all new and fresh. And they're still in the. They're still trying to assess what they're going to do. They're trying, trying to, you know. And they've got some people coming out that are saying things with a straight face, like, "If you go in there and you try to brief the boss, you better have your stuff together. He's going to make you regret the day you was born." Like he's some sharp as a tack dude, but he isn't. He's not sharp as a tack. He is a butter knife, 
in the razor blade drawer. He is he is nothing nothing short of a raging disappointment in terms of being a commander in chief. And we are the, the damage he has done just with this, just just the realization that this is who he is. The media tried their very level best to run interference for him, and this has come out, and it's come out from his own. This is this is his DOJ that made this proclamation, and they're going to try to walk it back, and they'll try to get her. You know, Garland will have to try to get her to do something with it, or maybe Garland resigns, or who knows what's going to happen with this. Politics is such a it's such a morass of uh, of, of stupidity. But as far as how much influence Obama has over, uh, you know, I, I've always thought that Biden. I, I've seen a couple of things, but, you know, he, he told uh, he told Obama one time, this is a really big deal, not mess this up. I've always thought Biden sort of thought he was smarter than Obama. And I've always thought Obama thought Biden, uh, Obama looked at Biden as sort of like an imbecile that he had to have in order to get the presidency. So they both tolerated each other and they still tolerate each other today. But, uh, you know, Biden is, uh, he's one of those, he's one of those deluded guys that thinks he knows what's going on. We are in black history month and just in time for black history month, Biden and the Democrats have something coming to the black communities where they're going to violate the 14th amendment in the name of gun control. We're going to talk about this cause this is to a Tuesday. Uh, yeah. Give me just a second. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. I just love me some propaganda. And then they, they go after... They go after a group of people that they have sold such a bad bill of goods. Bad, bad. The carpro.com talk line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. Right now, the Biden administration wants to start this thing in, uh, in, in, in uh, I guess, parallel to Black History Month. They want to call it Community Violence Awareness Week. Now, this is all a proposal at this point. Nothing's actually, I don't know how much has been put on paper. I'm sure lots of plans, but I don't know uh, how this is going to be enacted. Uh, in, in September, he launched the Office of Gun Violence Prevention, which is uh, sort of a stupid f way to phrase it. But, you know, they're, they're constantly looking for a way to push gun control because we exist in what they refer to as a gun violence epidemic. So they have taken a page out of the book when it comes to what they learned with COVID. What they learned with COVID is that if you get out there and declare a health crisis, that you will cower in fear. And I'm trying to keep from, oh, excuse me. Uh -huh. Speaking of coughing. Anyway, he launched this and expedited the implementation of executive orders on gun laws 
and measures in the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, which, by the way, for all of you uh, South Carolina House members that are worried about um, getting graded by the NRA, (laughs) you should look at uh, who voted for that in the Senate, the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act. And uh, the Republicans and their ratings from the NRA. I'm having a coughing jag right now. That's that's what's going on. I'm trying not to blow everybody's speakers out. They put together $750 billion to try to leverage, no, $750 million, I'm sorry, to leverage uh, the states into implementing red flag laws, which is the minority report. Now, Greg Jackson, who's the deputy director of the White House Office of Gun Violence Prevention, said, gun violence is a public health crisis that impacts our communities every day. Now, this is not new propaganda coming from them. And uh, what's interesting is what they're going to try to do to implement it. And this is the... uh, it, it, it's so nefarious what they're going to do. Now, according to USA Today, they're going to hold several events focused on combating gun violence in black communities. Planned virtual meetings, roundtable discussion invitations, limited to black leaders and black elected officials only. Then they're going to be followed up by a workshop where local and state leaders can learn how to obtain federal resources money money for new community safety programs. So how are they going to do this? Now, this is just going to be in the black community, and I want you to think about this. What we're talking about now are neighborhoods. We're talking about neighborhoods. So what they're going to do is they're going to take, and no matter what's going on in the state, they're going to try to implement the following things in these communities. Okay, They're going to declare a health crisis. They're going to use executive orders to implement red flag laws where they haven't been passed in the state. They want to create a community violence awareness week and associate with Black History Month. They're going to focus on black communities. They're going to create programs to train black community leaders on how to obtain federal money so they can use that to implement gun control on the folks living within their communities. All in the name of keeping the people safe. Of course, the problem, there's there's a lot of problems involved with this. The inner city, where most of the, 82% of all of these uh, types of, uh, all types, this type of violence occurs due to a drug deal. Now, there are plenty of uh, gangs that have black youth in them, but they're actually outnumbered, as far as who has the most gang members, by the Hispanic gangs. So why aren't we going into little, you know, somewhere where we're having a, a Hispanic enclave and trying this? Uh, that well, probably. Well, I I don't know if the Blood and the Crips are any more compassionate than MS13 or not. I'm not sure. Anyway, maybe they saw saw uh, Sicario and they don't want to mess with that. Maybe that's what it is. But this is something that they're going. It, it's almost like. Uh, it it. it 
just looking at a class of people in a small geographic area, this reeks of, uh, I mean, first of all, isn't this a, how many, how many amendments is this violating? Definitely the 14th, definitely the second. They're going to implement red flag laws. So that means that if there is a black, this is the same thing as if there was a black neighborhood in Spartanburg. And everywhere in Spartanburg, the law was the law, except in this black neighborhood where we had extra law in there. And they only had certain things that pertained to this that did not pertain to the rest. Which is the hallmark of anything leftists do, because it's always about, you know, separating us into lists and everything else. And for black Americans, that's the thing with black Americans. Now now this has become one of these things where uh, they still think, the Democrats still think that black America listens to them. But the biggest growing segment of new gun owners in the United States today are black women. Half of the murder victims in the United States are young black men. Half of the murderers in the United States are black men. That is gang activity. 82% of these types of things happen to do, have to do with drugs. So unless you're a drug pusher in the Bloods and Crips, very likely you're not going to have anything happen to you unless you're a black female. And yet, despite them actually being victimized by their own in some of these places, they've decided to descend upon the black law-abiding citizen, with which that's the majority of them, and uh, come out and start pushing this little little program to have a you know the Safer Communities Act. We don't have the, the only kind of violence that we have in the United States today is human violence. Only humans are capable of being violent. There are no impotence or or, or or tools or I was about to say drugs tools. There's nothing like that out there that can animate itself and do something evil. Only humans can do that. And it is on the text line. It sounds racist. It is racist. It absolutely is racist. Robert Heinlein said an armed society is a polite society. Manners are good when one may have to back up his acts with his life. And the Biden administration has decided to take you, black America, and make you an unarmed, helpless, government-dependent society. I myself do not think that's something you guys are really down for. And I sincerely hope we do not see that happen in South Carolina. The rest of these blue states, I don't know how much we're going to have, how much influence we can have over that, but we don't need it here. We don't need it here. Coming up, coming up next, we're going to be joined by uh, joined by Lee Williams, investigative reporter at the Second Amendment Foundation. This is News Talk ninety eight nine W O R D. Ingles, Ingles Markets. I'm coughing here, excuse me. Um, I was there last night, and I mean, um, the, the thing about Ingles Markets when I go in there, I know exactly where what I'm looking for. I know where it is in the store. And it doesn't matter which store I'm going to. That's the beauty of this. Most of them are laid out in almost the exact same way. 
sometimes they're sort of the opposite of each other, you know, left to right, right to left, however it may work. But it, it works out that way, and that's a, that's a beautiful way to set things up. Big, wide aisles. Somebody pointed this out, too. I mean, uh, I, don't you just hate it when you're pulling to a parking lot and the parking lot was built for bicycles? Uh, they, Ingalls always has a nice, big parking lot that I can take my, my, my pickup truck that I drive out of spite and park it very easily. It's just the whole shopping experience is very good. The old school customer service, all of those things just make it an outstanding trip on the way out. On your way home tonight, check them out, Ingalls Markets. Hang on a minute. I'm uh, making a stock buy of Hall's Mentholiptus Cough Drops. Those things work the trick. Carpro.com talk line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. Joining me now from the Second Amendment Foundation is investigative reporter Lee Williams. Good morning, sir. We got Lee? There he is. Okay. I'm here. Did I, I I hear you. So, um, were you listening to the news as we are we're coming in? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I you know I I did not realize that. Uh, anyway, I know you've got other stuff to talk about. That's something we could talk about another time because that'll always be out there. They're always looking for some way. So anyway, what is on the mind of the investigative branch of Second Amendment Foundation? Well, I, I wrote a story to publish this morning, and like most of my better stories, this one came from the mind of Alan Gottlieb, Second Amendment Foundation founder. Um, it's Black History Month. He said we should take a look at, this is all his guide, take a look at some black uh, scholars. There's so many of them that have contributed and uh, over the years, and their work has benefited everybody who owns a gun. So I did, and I went into this knowing, or at least, with the premise that the tradition of arms for black Americans has always been different. I mean, if you look at the black codes that were implemented in many states, uh, they were designed to keep blacks from exercising their right to keep and bear arms. In Florida, where I live, the free state, uh, a white person could enter a black-owned home and search for weapons without a warrant. Louisiana, uh, blacks could be stopped and searched by whites for weapons at any time. If they refused to comply, they could be shot. And if you know, you go over the years, even even some of the prominent black leaders like MLK was denied his Second Amendment rights. Sheriff's Office in Montgomery, Alabama, turned down his request for a concealed carry permit even after his home was firebombed. So I put it to, you know, the differences. I wanted to kind of elucidate the differences between uh, gun ownership and the tradition of arms for black folks and white folks. So I spoke to two incredible scholars and then we wrote about the third unfortunately walter e williams who's one of the greatest scholars of any color on the second amendment had a he passed away in 2020 he had a newspaper column that was syndicated to more than 150 newspapers and he was a genius an economist he championed the free market but he was an incredible second amendment advocate and his columns for those who tried to infringe upon our second amendment rights were vicious as uh, Congressman John Lewis, a Democrat from Georgia, found out in 2023, 
when he said the British are not coming. We don't need guns to kill people. Williams just excoriated him in one of the best takedowns I've ever seen. It was a kill shot. And he used quotes from the founders and from the late Vice President Hubert Humphrey, a well-known Democrat from my home state of Minnesota, who talked about the right to keep our arms as, as crucial. Uh, last, to put the cherry on Williams, Senator Ted Cruz eulogized him uh, in an incredible statement, saying his legacy will endure. Uh, I also spoke to Bob Cottrell, law professor at George Washington University, and I think one of the greatest minds out there in terms of the Second Amendment. His writings on, on the Second Amendment have been cited by Third Circuit Court of Appeals, Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, and the U.S. Supreme Court. And he sat down for a Q&A, which uh, I'm still trying to get over it. He's got a new book coming out, too. But then uh, you probably know Ken Blanchard, don't you? Yeah. Black Man with a Gun. Yeah, fantastic book. Should be required reading for every new shooter, regardless of their race. Um, I mean, you got good frequently asked questions, good glossary. And he talks about, you know, um, how his experience and that of a lot of black folks was different than from than of whites. And it's just fascinating getting these guys' heads for a while and, and learn. I mean, uh, Citizens Committee for the Right to Keep and Bear Arms has has uh, rewarded uh, Reverend Blanchard. He's a reverend now um, right. for for his lifelong work. And I got to tell you, um, the best quote in the story is from Ken. He said, "We're just one politician away from trouble. All they need is one well-versed anti-gunner. For example, if Taylor Swift got on the anti-gun bandwagon, it would really hurt all of us." Well. I, I've heard them sort of talk about that stuff, but I mean, Ken, uh, Ken was one of those old, is one of those old school guys that are, uh, when some of these organizations started trying, and I don't know if you noticed this or not, but a lot of them started trying to get some cred with, with black America. So they started looking for people and they found a monster Ray or a Coleon Noir and those guys. And they really should have gone with Ken. Yeah. Yeah, he nothing, is. Uh, nothing wrong with those two young fellows. Ken is the no, real deal. He really is, and and he talked about when he started, all he wanted to do was, you know, be a firearms instructor. He's got a incredible set of credentials as a federal law enforcement officer, uh, U.S. Marine. He didn't realize, he said, that he had to overcome, you know, uh, three hundred years of tradition um, that was not, that did not support. Uh, gun rights to the extent that it does now fascinating uh fascinating guy i gotta tell you i, I i've done a lot of different stories over the years i thoroughly enjoyed this one it, i learned i learned a hell of a lot brother ken used to do the black man with a gun podcast and he would in the middle of the show he would break out and do some cover of an r&b song yeah with a guitar i mean he, i mean it was it was uh, quite the thing to uh to experience, if you will. And I don't know what, I haven't talked to Ken in a while. I should, because uh, he, he, I mean, he led me to people like Rick Ector. Rick Ector is a black instructor out of Detroit who teaches uh, black women for free and to the tune of 2000 a year. Yeah, an incredible guy. Yeah. I mean, uh, and and Ken is the same way. I thoroughly enjoyed talking to him, but uh, I would I would definitely remit, uh, recommend getting Bob Cottrell's book when it comes out because um, he he is he is out there and all of his books I, I've already read the galleys on it and 
it's it's going to be a, a trendsetter. It's called to, to Trust the People with Arms, the Supreme Court, and the Second Amendment. And that should be out soon. Um, it was fascinating. I mean, these are the type of guys you could talk to for days, not just hours for a, a simple story. We should do very, Next, next week, we should we should do a primer on uh, anti-gun, the anti-gun vernacular and vocabulary. They're 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 trying to take us. Uh, they're trying to take our vocabulary. There's certainly no doubt about that. Yeah. And we can't let them. Well, I was just listening. I mean, the whole credit card thing, that's been thoroughly debunked already. They can't get out there and say, this is a gun. This is a tent stake. This is a this. All I can they, all they can do is put out with what department it was bought in. Which aren't yeah. most, most guns in the outdoor department of the big box stores? Yeah. And I mean, look at the other stuff out there. The words, the, New York has these gun free zones that are imploding. Uh, they're shooting in Times Square, shooting in the subways. Both of them are what they call sensitive areas. Mm, yeah, I know. You can Not always tell gun- those. They, they have the plastic signs around them and no other defense systems in the, in, in the place. We're running yeah, out of time. Gun yeah, free zones. We're, I'm run- we're running out of time. Find Lee. At thegunwriter.substack.com, saf.org, and armedamericannews.com. Why is the Houston shooting going to go away? It's not for the reason you think. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. Genesee Moreno. <clears throat> I'm not really sure. I, you know, I'm, I'm, ve- I'm very thoroughly confused by, Je- by Genesee. The uh, carpro.com talk line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. I believe that uh, Genesee Moreno was a biological female who decided to go by male aliases, a la Audrey Hale. And just like the Audrey Hale rampage killing this will also turn into something that goes away for two reasons and i mean audrey hale hers was the outcome of the audrey hale shooting was as good as it could be in the circumstance it was in it was nothing like what happened at the lakewood church so genesee moreno comes in She's got a Anderson Manufacturing AR-15, which tells me she has an a- Anderson Manufacturing lower, because most of the time they you, you buy parts from Anderson that, that you don't buy guns from them. Although there's probably a few out there. She got a sticker on it that says Palestine on the buckstock. I'm sure somewhere on it. She was known to law enforcement for having mental health issues, and she was from El Salvador with a very 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 long rap sheet. She declared she had a bomb, although they found no evidence uh, in her car or in her backpack. She sprayed some sort of substance on the ground, but they're, they're not sure about what that is either. And thankfully, nobody jumped to conclusions about that like they did with the Aurora shooting. She pulled up to the parking lot, got out, entered the building, pushing in front of her a small elementary age child, seven years old, her son, her biological son, Shot him somehow and shot somebody else in the leg. She had donated money to the Lakewood Church. Now, yes, uh, she was one of the so-called transgendered. But that's not why this is going to get 
pushed out of the public view. <clears throat> the reason it's going to get pushed out of the public view is because you had armed personnel at the church waiting on this to happen. And when she opened up in the space of two shots, they were reactive and quick enough. And it takes that much time to be reactive. And they got guns up on her and killed her. And understand me when I tell you that that is the best possible outcome once a rampage shooting gets to that level. Now, I'm not exactly sure how this is going to work. Uh, my first thought on uh, rampage killers is that they have mental illness anyway of some sort because nobody in their right mind is going to go in and kill a bunch of people they don't know. There's some perceived wrong, some grievance that they've decided to use a bunch of people they don't know as the avatars and the, 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 the things they're, they're going to take out their wrath upon. So, obviously she was disturbed. She was a so-called transgender, of course, which means... Uh, she has body dysphoria. Although she seemed to, she seemed to be more of a. I think they call these the non-binaries, where they can go back and forth. They're like switch hitters. She was going through an ugly divorce, all this other stuff. But the reason, <laughs> and I mean, she got a gun despite her criminal history going back to two thousand five. She was arrested for assaulting a public servant, assault causing bodily injury, and unlawfully carrying a weapon. So how she got a gun? You know, no idea at this particular point. The reason this is going to get pushed, well, it'll be two reasons. Part of it will be because of the so-called transgender. The other part of it will be because armed personnel stopped her. Now, when an armed civilian or an armed person is present when a rampage shooting begins... The average loss of life is 2.5. When there isn't someone armed there, when the rampage shooting begins, the average loss of life is 18. Rampage shooters rely on not being interrupted. When a rampage, uh, well, um, Eli Dickens, when he shot that guy in Indiana, in Indianapolis, as soon as the guy was up and, and firing gun, he pulls gun out 40 yards and takes him out. So, rampage, rampage shootings, the way to disrupt a rampage shooting is to interrupt them, to disrupt them. And this means armed personnel in place. This means armed citizens in place. For the media now, this is going to be radioactive. Not going to be something they want to talk about. Because this goes against the narrative, don't you see? The left knows the utilitarian nature of a gun. They know it. They also know that um, there's very little that they can actually do in an armed America. So... Everything they do, every pretense about gun control has nothing to do with safety. It has everything to do with control. Everything to do with control. A free person is going to have weapons. That's just, and that's the other thing. They don't like you thinking that you're free. 
They want you to own nothing and like it. But look for this. This will vanish out of the uh, news cycle very shortly. There won't be any calls to ban AR-15s or anything else because this person um, was transgender and was a criminal to protected classes of the left and shot down by armed people. Yes, law enforcement, but armed people on, on station. That's bad for the narrative. When we get back, have you ever heard of the nudge? We're going to talk about the nudge. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD.